Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn Me Podcast. This is episode 90 of our show. My name is Khalif Adams. I'm your host. And this week and every week, I am joined with the man, the myth, the legend, the one dude who has hit me with at least two Ric Flair chops in the chest. That dude, that guy, Cicero Holmes, master of deep dish pizza. How are you, sir? Woo! Yeah. Uh, what else does Ric Flair say? To be the best, you gotta be. I don't even. I don't know what that's the fuck not. Rick that's Flair. not. That's Rick not. Flair. That, no, that's not Ric Flair. That is uh, that dude from Canada. Um, that's the other. That's the other. That that's dude that, from that, Canada. That how are you gonna? How are you gonna mess Bret up Hart. that? Brett Hart. He's the hitman. Hit, he's the hitman. The hitman. He's the hitman. He got. He the got, other guy from Canada. They put the sharpshooter on you. Man. Yeah, he's got Ooh. white man Jerry curl. He's the hitman. <laughs> he, he totally did. His Jerry Curl was the drippiest Jerry Curl of all time. It was so good. It was so good. I think that was the reason he had the sharpshooter nailed down because the only way you hold on to an opponent. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> he slipped through they, his hands right. with, with Jerry Curl juice on, on his hands. <laughs> oh, man. How, how are you doing? How are you holding on? Yeah, listen, man, I'm doing great. Um, uh, you know, this, despite its uh, despite its flaws, Rainbow Six still has has its hooks in me and uh i am sieging the shit out of people in fact i was playing today and um in in a match i went to breach a wall and there was a dude on the other side of the wall and i breached and killed him it was it was amazing nice. i killed him with the breach charge through the wall so uh <laughs> nice i really i really enjoyed that that moment uh rainbow six siege y'all both uh, making me love it and hate it at the same time because I also spent an hour, literally an hour, trying to get five people together to play a game. <laughs> I think yes. you're gonna have to just put up a Craigslist ad at this point. Oh my! God. Well, it doesn't even it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter because the servers are so bad. I, maybe you can put up a Craigslist ad for servers. Maybe Ubisoft <laughs> needs to do that. So, so, so that would, I guess you could totally put that under misconnections anyway. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. But but you, sure. right. You had the Twitch character, me. Oh, I was Sledge. Oh, we were good. playing together and then you disappeared. Will I nice. ever see you again? Nice. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. It is, it is Christmas time. Christmas time is here. I would, yes, do, I would have yes. sung that in the, in the like, uh, Charlie, Charlie Brown, Brown version of that, which is my favorite version of that song. Yes. Um, but I kind of hate trees. I hate Christmas trees. You are the weirdest person I have ever I was, met. Well, okay, well hold, on, well, hold on. So I was raised with a plastic Christmas tree. Okay. And for the past, because, you know, you're raised in the Bronx, so you don't, we don't right. have real trees because there's no yeah. real place to get those kinds of trees. Right. In the Bronx. <laughs> you can get other trees. You, you can get, get lots of other kinds of trees. Lots of other trees. So many trees. <laughs> but you can't get Christmas trees in the Bronx. It's really hard. So we so for the past five or six years since, since my wife and I met, we've been getting uh, real trees. Okay. And the thing that makes me hate the real trees is that we have a real cat too, and the real cat <laughs> drinks all the real water out of the real tree. Oh. Uh. And it makes the worst noises that you hear late at night, and it's it's like worse than like three of the Baba Dukes put together, just like cat noises drinking water out of the tree. <laughs> it's the gro- most gross thing on the planet. It's really gross. It's nasty. So I've, uh. I'm. It's it's a it's a kind of butterfly effect of tree hate. Okay, all right, um, sure. It's it's, it's weird. <laughs> okay, I'm okay with it. I'll, all let right. you, I'll let you. I'll let you have that. You weird fucking dude. I love you to death, <laughs> but you're a weird bastard. It's true. Um, it's who, true. You know, if if we if we actually looked if we took a picture of the the three of us right now, um, 
and and I'm yeah, I'm kind of spoiling the fact that there's a third person here. Um, if we took a picture of the three of us, the person that would look the weirdest is probably the most sane. He is <laughs> our minister of no finance, Mr. Sharif Jackson, complete with cat ears, or is it a training bra so he can make weird science people? I don't no. know. No, man, these are official cat ears straight from Nintendo. They blessed me. But I try, man. I, I I can't climb. I can't climb up any walls, or I can't do any of that cool stuff. I think I need the full cat suit for that. Yes. But, yes. But for now, the ears are good. But what's up, everybody? What's up, man? How, how you doing? You been all right? I, yeah, man. Um, I want to give a, a special shout out to. Uh, I want to pronounce his uh, name right. Nalan Halin Nene who's the Minister of Finance in South Africa, just oh, got yes. fired. Yes. Um, so now he's joining the, the No Finance, finance group, along right. with me. So, he's now so a No Finance I, Minister. I am recruiting, you know. I'm trying to get all these ministers of finances fired so that they could uh, <laughs> join my No Finance clan. So, oh, man. Clan. You guys, on Halloween, are you guys going to do, uh, like, thriller dances? With just, like, all these ministers of No Finance doing a thriller dance in, like, a... Uh, North Korean prison or some shit. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if if I can get five of them, we might take you on in siege. I'm just oh, saying. word! Wow! Oh, damn! Wow. That would. I be mean, hell. I mean, be glad it's not Counter Strike because you wouldn't be able to buy anything. You have no finance, right? <laughs> exactly. Sure, those damn microtransactions. But hey, I, if if like we can, you know, get get a stable server somewhere. Uh, Oh, yeah. Might be taking yeah, on a bunch yeah. of no finance ministers, yo. Word. And okay. they gonna be mad because they just, because they just got fired. And they gonna take it out. <laughs> you. Take it out on us. No doubt. Oh, no doubt. Um, so so uh, quick housekeeping before we before we move on to why we are really here. Um, thanks again to Cameron Sui and John Stafford for uh, the, two of the two of the brainchilds behind uh, the narrative of the brilliant brilliant. Rise of the Tomb Raider game. Um, those guys came and they dropped some gems uh, last week, and we really, really, really enjoyed them. So, uh, shout out to those guys. Really hope uh, everyone in Chicago enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again, guys. Word, word. Thank you for rolling through and coming and hanging out with us. Yes. Um, Chicago sounded like they, they had a lot of fun uh, yes. listening to that show. So, <clears throat> we always want to thank them for, for coming through and having dope guests. And we have. Speaking of dope guests, we yes. have a very dope guest with us this week. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I'm digging through my Twitter timeline and I'm, I'm looking around. I'm seeing all these cool stories. And then this one story jumped out at me because it, it talked about a subject that I'm, I'm really interested in and um, scared of at the same time. I'm kind of terrified and uh, intrigued at the same time. And the piece that he wrote nailed uh, a lot of the kind of minutia that goes on in like the sections of the world of swatting. Um, and, and I read it and it was, it was profound. It was really, really well written. The, the pieces that he kind of pulled together, the story of the serial swatter and kind of the, the, the ways that it trying to triangulate so, around, among the people who got swatted, <laughs> the, the law enforcement aspects of it. And and also just like kind of the zeitgeist around what's happening in in, in the swatting phenomena, um, and he's here with us tonight, and I'm super happy that he's here because we want to pick his brain about 
how, what it takes to put a story like this together. So uh, everyone, put your hands together. I gave you the old school Apollo kind of welcome. <laughs> Jason Fagode, yes. thank you so much for joining us this week on uh, the Spawn of Me podcast. Thank you so much for rolling through. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you, Khalif. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So first of all, uh, kudos to you on such a dope piece. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions that go along with a story like this, especially if you're in the in the kind of um, in the kind of space where you, you know of swatting. But you, you also are at the point where you're just terrified of what this means to the kind of greater uh, gaming populace. Um, could you kind of like just talk about, you know, yourself a little bit, tell folks about, you know, your, your, when you became a writer, why you decided to become a writer, and also yeah. why you wanted to, to kind of dig into this kind of a story? Because there's not a lot of people talking about this. Yeah. Um, well, can I ask you a question first, actually? Like how well, how well known is swatting among sort of the Twitch community? Is it, is it pretty... Safe to say that everybody who is on Twitch a lot knows about knows about yes. swatting. Yeah, that I was, was that I was, was my sense. Yes. I mean, I I didn't really know that much about it before I started looking into it, but um, mm-hmm. but I was fascinated by this case just because it was so uh, horrifying. You know, it was like almost <laughs> gothic, uh, just completely fucked up uh, situation. And um, yeah. and you know, I, I write for um, a lot of different magazines, and I'm always kind of looking for stories. I think that are that are not being told, uh, that I mm-hmm. can, you know, that I can develop, um, find people who haven't spoken or, um, just tell a story in a different way. And I read a, uh, a piece earlier this year online, I think in Ars Technica about, mm-hmm. um, about this Canadian kid who had been arrested and uh, sentenced for swatting, uh, dozens of different women, uh, that he found on Twitch. And there really wasn't that much more about it. It was, uh, there were a couple of brief things online, but um, just the bare outline of what he did was com- was completely uh, just just chilling. Um, he had targeted women um, women Twitch streamers, but not just the women. He had also targeted their families. Um, right. If he didn't if he didn't like you, he would um, he would start by DDoSing you uh, by interrupting your internet internet connection. Then he would sort of move on to messing with your online life in in various ways. Um, mm-hmm. He used social engineering to. Um, to get people's passwords, uh, to take control of their accounts. And, um, and from there he escalated to, you know, threatening to, uh, put all of their credit card information online to dox them, to dox their parents, um, to send a SWAT team to their door at their home or, you know, at their college or even send a SWAT team to their parents' house. So there was a level of, um, I don't know, psychopathy. Is that a word? Psych- he was kind of a psychopath. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and and it seemed like it really didn't seem like there was there was much on it. So I started looking into it. So so I'm curious because I know, you know, so, you know, myself, Sharif and, and Cicero, we've been pretty deep into to gaming culture and, 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 and all the kind of aspects that kind of touch those those segments uh, for a while. And we've all kind of through the kind of Gamergate uh, phenomena that happened. And then also, you know, just being online for as long as we have gaming have seen, you know, different segments of kind of crappy people roll through sure. the process of of how it goes. Um, I'm just curious because I know you said you didn't know a lot about the phenomena of swatting or uh, before you wrote the piece. You know, what, what kind of uh, like uh, resources did you kind of go through to kind of give yourself a little bit more of a foundation before you started to write? The piece? I watched every video on YouTube. Uh, every swatting <laughs> video on YouTube, and there are, as you know, there are lots. There are really a lot. Um, 
the, the first one I saw, I think, was the one with, the, I think, has the most hits, which is the swatting of Kutra um, in mm. uh, Colorado. And, uh, you know, that's the one where you actually see the SWAT team burst into his office. You know, mm. they start by clearing rooms, then they burst in. Um, and throw him to the ground and, and, and um, I think handcuff him. And then he's sitting in a chair handcuffed, answering these questions very calmly as, uh-huh. as the SWAT team is, you know, uh, is, is trying to figure out what's going on. But there are, I mean, there are dozens of SWATing videos on, on YouTube. So I watched, I watched all of those. Um, then I read everything that had been written about SWATing. Um, and it, it still seems to me like it's kind of under the radar. You know, it's, uh, if you do a news search, you find all kinds of stories in little towns uh, where there, there have been swatting incidents and the, and the local police are dealing with it and local people are dealing with it. But I, I don't think that it has really sort of reached the, the consciousness of the national media um, mm-hmm. in a bigger way. So um, so I really just started by sort of reaching out and trying to find some of the women victims of this, of this Canadian kid and uh, see if they were willing to talk. And I, I told myself that if, um, you know, if the victims didn't want to talk, I, I didn't want to do the story. Uh, because it wasn't going to be a kind of thing where I wanted to really persuade people to talk if, if they didn't feel like they wanted to share their story. Um, but I found that, you know, uh, a number of victims were willing to talk and they had a story to tell. And, um, and I just started to sort of, uh, do interviews and everybody knew everybody had a friend, multiple friends who had also been targeted by this guy. So, so pretty, pretty quickly I was able to, uh, start to get a handle on the size of, of what this guy did. And it was, uh, you know, it was massive. It was uh, 25. He ended up pleading guilty to um, extortion, mischief, wow. um, and other kinds of crimes, including swatting uh, uh, tar- that targeted 25 different victims. Then there were another five victims that were um, named in the sentencing that uh, he was not allowed to contact after the sentencing. So he probably targeted them too. You know, the, the, yeah. the cop who ended up uh, uh, breaking the case on the law enforcement side tracked him to uh, connected into 40 swattings across Canada and North America. And there was <laughs> a, and there were, uh, the, really the most chilling line in the sentencing so document was uh, a line where there was a, a, a psychiatrist who was interviewing the kid after he'd been arrested. And the psych- psychiatrist reported back, um, you know, that this is a very damaged person and that uh, the psychiatrist was pretty sure that. Uh, that what what the court knew about was really only a piece, a small piece of what he had done. Um, right. So I think the universe of the universe of crimes is larger than you know what I was able to include in my piece or what the court was able to prove. Um, but it was really just talking to people, and um, and the women were the women were really incredible in the sense that they um, because the police wouldn't help them, uh, mm-hmm. and they had no other way to try to uh, protect themselves and, and stay safe. They became um, uh, very diligent investigators of this guy. And they, they, over a period of months, they compiled a lot of information about him, his activities, uh, documented evidence. They took screenshots and, um, and they shared it with detectives over and over. And yet the detectives did nothing, really did nothing. I mean, really nothing, um, uh, for a long time. And it, uh, and it was shocking to me, um, how little help they were able to get from, from law enforcement, yeah. but also from the internet companies, uh, which right. we should talk about. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to get into that. Go ahead, Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I like in the piece how like you kind of really detail the impact that like Twitch has on the internet. Um, in 
in terms of it getting more rankings and like NFL and Big Bang and like that kind of stuff. But I still feel like it's not really like a household name. Yeah. Like I still think outside of especially gaming, like you're not really going to – I can't ask – people that aren't really into the culture what twitch is like they won't know even though it's the fourth most visited during a peak right right so um i was wondering through through all of your research given the massive amount of like users on twitch do you feel like it's something that's like really rampant in the twitch like community um or like is it still kind of like isolated to these kind of one-off cases or like singular people that do like the majority of the cases like this or like this guy? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, Twi- you're right that Twitch, there's still not a broad awareness of what Twitch is. I mean, certainly all of the cops who interacted with the victims had no idea what Twitch was. <laughs> yeah, they had no um, idea. I think pretty much to, to a person. And this is do- dozens and dozens of cops in two countries. They, they just had no idea. I mean, they understood the internet. Uh, they, they didn't know about Twitch. Um, right. I mean, my wife uh, didn't know about Twitch before I was working on this story, and I, I gave her a link to a couple of the, um, the uh, archive videos of, of the women streamers, and within five minutes of watching it, she was like, yeah, I get this. You know, I, I get why this is fun. I get why this is cool. Um, mm. And I think, if, I think it is pretty easy to see uh, why, why, why it's cool um, and why it, why it draws people in. Um, I, I feel like the, the section of... of the Twitch community that is that is swatting launching swatting attacks is small, um, sure. And and I tried pretty hard in the story to separate uh, just sort of normal you know uh, Twitch assholery uh, you know <laughs> from uh, from what this guy was doing because uh, you know you you women especially women on Twitch uh, maybe other people on Twitch get get uh, harassed pretty routinely and. Um, you know, moderators are able to filter some of it out. And I think, I think prominent women streamers are harassed so often that they just, it's just becomes sort of noise to them and they, they're able to ignore it. This, this guy was doing something, uh, very different. Um, he was just, he was just completely dedicated to destroying people's lives. Uh, and he seemed to spend pretty much all, all of his, all of his (laughs) time trying to find ways. I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel bad sort of, uh, I guess it's a reflexive laugh because it's kind of, it's awful to think about, but, um, Absolutely. you know, uh, he really, he really did seem to spend, spend all of his, all of his available time thinking of ways to make people's lives miserable. Um, yeah. and, and nobody, nobody was really willing to stop him. Yeah. You know, it, it's the, the unfortunate part of, of this, of the story and, and not to spoil this story for everyone. Um, Please go out and read and read this piece. It's it's really amazing. Um, I want to I want to say two things. First off, it it's ironic that I think that you called him the serial swatter uh, because the the entire story reads like a transcript from the podcast serial. It really reads that way. It reads. And, uh, you know, like everything is kind of set up and, you you know, you're you're hoping as you're reading this and you, as your blood is boiling, as you're hearing about the different things that this guy is doing and and how these women are being terrorized by him, uh, that there is some type of, you know, some type of resolution that's that's somewhat positive. Um, the You know, one thing that I think people need to to really kind of articulate and say about this guy is is that he was a terrorist. He terrorized people. 
Um, you know, and he intentionally went out to to inflict terror to really disrupt people's lives. Um, where in in your in in your research and 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 in speaking with you know both law local law enforcement, but but also the FBI, where are they in terms of getting to a point where they can start to really articulate what swatting is and it you know and cyber crimes in general i know they're kind of slow to you know they're really late to the party with lots of different things but but with this specifically where where did you find yourself with at the end of your research um with yeah. with the fbi that's a great question Cicero, uh, and a great observation so um one of the surprising things uh reporting the story was realizing that the fbi is still trying to get their their head around what to do about this. They, um, right. they told me that they, um, they, they don't have, there's no part of there are a number of different parts of the FBI. They don't have a part, a single part of the FBI that has responsibility for swatting yet because they said that swatting cuts across so many different, um, delineations for, for what the FBI does. So there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different ways to think about swatting. What, you know, is it, um, the part of it is that it's identity theft. Uh, right. So part of it, there's a white collar crime element, and there are people at the FBI who do that. There's also uh, extortion. There's uh, criminal mischief. There is um, there is you could argue that there's a terrorism aspect to it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, terroristic threats. That's certainly what the cop who um, who ended up taking an interest in the case thought. I mean, this isn't in the story, but um, he told me point blank, you know, this guy's this guy is terrorizing people. Um, yeah, and, and he yeah. came to believe. Now, I, I, Cicero, I disagree. I disagree with you a little bit in the, in the sense that um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit just personally. This isn't the New York mm-hmm. Times. This is just me personally. Uh, personally hesitant to call things terrorism um, because I, I'm not exactly sure where the line should be drawn. You know, I mean, if sure, if uh, I feel like if you start calling various things terrorism then that invokes a kind of uh, law enforcement treatment of them or, or response to them that um, that is difficult to control. Uh, but right. but at the same time, if you're going to call, if you're going to be liberal um, with the word terrorism and if you're going to call things terrorism that are not just um, uh, non-state actors uh, uh, bombing buildings, if you're going to use it for other things, then this certainly would 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 merit it i think he this guy was 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 persistently i mean the things he did to people are almost unbelievable it was and it was over a period of months too that's it was a sustained right, right. you know they, they, people would wake up every morning um and there would be something new you know he would shut off people's electricity he would he would call the electric company and and impersonate the uh, homeowner and um oh, and say that that uh the home was abandoned and had no need of electricity anymore and so the the, the you know the the wife and would, would uh, do it yeah and the and the, and the, the electric uh, company person would show up at the, at the home with a shutoff notice um and, you know not that that individually taken alone that's not a huge disruption to somebody's life but if it's something like that every day for months and months uh and then if on top of that if you have this incredibly uh scary uh traumatic um uh, incredibly dangerous swatting uh, happened to you. It, it, it becomes it becomes too much to take. So so yeah. The, so the FBI is still trying to figure out uh, what to do. Um, local law enforcement really lacks a lot of um, clarity on on what swatting is. Although they're starting to deal with it more. 
The problem is that swatting is not um, an automatic felony in all 50 states. So um, it's possible to charge swatting as a felony uh, with penalties up to, up to five years in prison. But um, it, it's, it, it can be difficult to do the investigations. Um, and they're kind of a pain in the ass to investigate, honestly. Um, yeah, sure. So a lot of cops, you know, what one cop told me is, you know, I have, I have like, I have rape cases, I have murder cases, I have armed robbery cases. Why would I, you know, take time to invest, to track down all these records from internet companies to find a swatter when it's not necessarily even chargeable as, as a felony in my state? Um, right. Mm. So there is some legislation um, being contemplated by Congress that would uh, increase penalties for swatting. And I think that would really help um, because it, it, at the very least it would uh, make it easier for uh, cops and, and prosecutors and give them some more tools. But, um, but I found really a lot of, a lot of sort of vagueness and, uh, and confusion on the law enforcement side. That said, um, I do think that cops are able to investigate internet related crimes that there's this, there is this kind of, kind of myth or idea that, uh, cops don't know what the internet is. And I guarantee, I guarantee you, every cop has an iPhone and every cop has, you know, cable internet or, or whatever. And so, right. um, and so, and, and the, and the, and the, the detective who ended up, uh, um, who ended up, uh, breaking the case, this guy in Georgia described himself to me as like, basically just like a dad with an iPad. That was, that was the extent of his technical knowledge. You know, he had no, he was not a, like a cyber, a cyber anything. Um, right. and he had no official cyber training. He was, he was, he was, right. he was a former Marine. Um, and he just, he just likes being a detective, but he, but he did it very old school. Um, he had to track down all kinds of 75 subpoenas, court warrant, court orders and warrants and stuff. Um, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't, um, brain surgery, I guess it just required a lot of, a lot of patience. But, um, the key thing is that like, he gave a shit about it, right? Like right, he gave yeah, it, right, he, yeah. he decided yeah. it, it, made, it pissed him off. He saw, he saw that people were hurting and it pissed him off, um, and he, he decided to give a shit about it. And that was really the key decision. It wasn't any sort of technical knowledge. It was deciding to give a shit yeah. and, and to try to help these women. And I think that's what's lacking with like a company like Twitch, too, is that uh, fundamentally they, just, they really just don't give a shit about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's not until some uh, some kid gets killed while streaming yeah. Um, because because they because they were swatted that Twitch will actually be responsible. One of the things that you say in in your piece is that Twitch disavows disavows any type of responsibility for things that happen outside of Twitch, even if the right. uh, you know the origin of the beef or the conversation began you know began on using their service um i think that there's something that you that you talk about uh really in depth uh in your in your piece that is the missing link in this in this whole phenomena which is the over militarization of the police force of mm-hmm. of swat teams you know swatting wouldn't exist if you know all of these especially Small town uh, local municipalities uh, didn't have this military grade weaponry um, sitting at the ready, collecting dust, um, you know, getting, you know, waiting for them to 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 kind of use. Um, Did you did you find any resistance when you were talking about? 
you know, just the the proliferation of uh, military grade weaponry about police force, or did you receive any resistance uh, to from police? You know, from police uh, local police precincts when you were talking about that kind of stuff or investigating yeah. that. Kind no, of that's stuff? that's um, that's interesting. So I I I really did try to talk to police and get get and see this from their from their point of view. What is it? What does a swatting look like? from the police point of view. Um, right. and for them, it's, it's, it's scary. Um, like it is for residents that what they told me is that, um, they have no ability to distinguish in the moment, a hoax call from right. a real emergency call. And, and I believe that because I've listened to the 911 calls and the hoax calls and, oh, wow. um, I could play them for you. I, I would I would really, you know, be surprised if, if I didn't tell you it was a hoax if, that you would know it, that you you would know it. it's a hoax. I mean, they sound right. um, they sound completely mm-hmm. credible, um, and uh, and police feel like they don't have the freedom to to say it's you know to dismiss it as a hoax because if it's real and somebody is in danger, then um, their ass is on the line. That this is, this sure. is what they told me. So which and you can understand so. Um, and sure. also, we live in a country where we have mass shooting every two weeks. And so, if right. somebody, if somebody, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. if somebody calls the police and says, you know, I have an AR-15 or I have an AK-47, I've, I've shot somebody, I have somebody else tied up, I'm going to shoot them too, and I'll shoot any cops who who show up at the door. You know, the the, the police can't can't dismiss that out of hand because you know they they right. they, they read the news, Charlotte, uh, San Bernardino. Uh, right. It, it, who's to say it won't happen in their town? And this is why they train. They train for they train for the, exactly these situations. They train for the kind of situation that um, a beat cop wouldn't have the sort of weaponry or backup to handle. So, so when they're going in, they're expecting to confront um, a bad guy. They're expecting to, to, to find uh, somebody with somebody with a weapon who's who's killed somebody um, and is going to shoot at them. And so they're going in with that um, that kind of tactical readiness. Their adrenaline is pumping. And then they show up to this house, and they all they find is um, is innocent people just going about their day. Um, right. And it's an incredibly dangerous situation for all kinds of reasons. I mean, right. e- even if, even if even if police in America were were completely idealized and used force correctly every time, uh, if, if we had some kind of utopian system, um, it would still be dangerous because. Uh, uh, bystanders, people who aren't related to suspects being targeted, get get uh, killed accidentally in SWAT raids sometimes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't have we don't have an ideal police force in this country. Country, obviously. So, um, so when SWATters are sending police to uh, to a home, they're creating a very kind of kind of risky, chaotic, confusing situation where it's very easy for for something to go horribly wrong. Um, now the police, and you're right to say that the, um, the proliferation of SWAT teams is, is what makes this possible because, um, because every, you know, all kinds of small towns and small jurisdictions have SWAT teams now in, in a way that they didn't in the 1980s. Um, and swatting is an, is a, is an unintended consequence of, of this kind of growth, growth of SWAT teams, because now, uh, SWAT teams, are trained to respond immediately to a situation. So it gives the, the, uh, the hacker, uh, the swatting attacker, uh, the ability to 
to summon a SWAT team very quickly to the, to the home of a target and possibly to even watch live on stream as the victim mm. is, um, right. is raided by police. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But the SWAT, the SWAT team is, uh, yep. the SWAT aspect, you know, the, talking to SWAT cops was interesting because, um, they definitely feel like their, their hand has been forced in a sense by, uh, laws made by, by people who are not them. And, and, uh, I think there's some truth to that in the sense that, you know, they didn't make the drug laws, right? They didn't make the drug right. laws that require uh, the bad drug laws that require this kind of enforcement. Um, they didn't make the the lax gun laws that that have led to a proliferation of um, assault rifles that necessitate, you know, armored right. tank-like vehicles in American towns. Um, right. You know, but I, I do think, I, and I think I point out in the piece that there, there's a lot of valid criticism of of SWAT teams, the way they operate, and um, excessive use of force, and so these these um, elements are coming together in the phenomenon of SWATing in an unprecedented way. You have you have hacker nihilists on on the one hand, and then you have right. uh, mm. you have these these you know ready to act SWAT teams on the other, and uh, they're just being brought together and they collide in this, in this totally new and scary way. Mm. Good read, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I really love how like you included cases like the um, Ayanna Jones case in Detroit, yeah. um, which is a seven year old girl that got shot by um you know by by a SWAT team because that was that was something that like I actually featured during our um, Spawn for Good stream that we did about a year ago, like a fundraiser mm-hmm. where we um, really raised attention to a lot of um, of um, African Americans on. Un- unarmed african-americans i should say that yeah. that were killed um and that really does kind of go into that it's, as you said like the like adrenaline and sort of the mentality that you go into th- these like situations kind of looking for not looking for a confrontation um unexpectedly because you were responding to a call but like it's still kind of like there's not much time to think you know it's more like a reflexes yeah well it's, um, it's i mean it's it's sort of now, it's just sort of an inherently risky situation you know it's there's all there's all kinds of things that, uh, that that can go wrong in a SWAT raid, and uh, and sometimes do. Yeah. Now, now, I I wanted to touch on one thing, and, and it's 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 related to your piece. Um, so obviously the um, the main like um, guy in this piece is like sort of like a young kid, right? Um, and I feel like a lot of times where um we fight against the um sort of the stereotype that all the people that do internet like harassing are sort of like young kids in their basements with bad histories and they're like looking for a outlet right but if there's one thing that i learned from you know from really um being closer to a lot of my female friends and from seeing people that are major targets of like a harassment like uh the feminist joneses and brianna woos is that there's a lot of grown men doing this stuff. Right. Like, like, right. like it's not just sort of like a young kid with like a nothing t- to, uh, t- to, do. So I remember when I first read the piece, I was like, man, I really hope that people like don't use this to like kind of further that narrative that it's just, you know, that it's only kids. Right. right. So like, I was wondering in the research of like the swatting that you did, did you see sort of a, a range of sort of, ages and backgrounds and stuff of of the people that were doing this uh swatting and uh, harassment yeah i think there was a um i just read last week 
I have I, I sort of I sort of keep track of it. I do to do a search for swatting to try to find the, the latest news stories to, to just see see what's <laughs> happening. And it's it's kind of a grim grim uh, Twitter search thing to have on your thing. It's like right. it just turns up right. it just turns up like the darkest <laughs> shit you can imagine. But um, right. <laughs> uh, but I, I, there was a guy uh, in New York, uh, I think a 31 year old guy who swatted a um, home for disabled people. Um, oh my god! Oh my god! I, I have no idea why. This is a special special place in hell for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I just—it's the kind of story you read, and you're, and you're just like, uh, what went wrong? You know what went wrong with this person that you would, you know, send a SWAT team to a home for disabled people? Um, but uh, but you're right. I, I think there is there is a diversity of um, of people who launch these attacks. Um, I, when talking to the FBI, they they seem to think that it is um, uh, overwhelmingly young men, um, late teens and early 20s. Uh, and that was certainly true with uh, the swatter that I sort of profiled. Him and his friends were all, uh, I got the impression they were all, all pretty young. Um, you know, I was, talking to, I was talking to a game journalist on, on Twitter's direct message, and, and he, was, uh, he was telling me that, that he... He uh, he gets a lot of feedback from from kids this age, and he's come to believe there should be like a practice internet for kids. You know, like you should be able to go you should be able to go on the practice internet and like like get get all of, get all of this stuff out and, and make all of your mistakes and real and but you're not you're not actually in the practice internet you're not actually hurting any real people. You know, um, and he was saying you know the problem is that you you um, you discover these techniques, uh, particularly social engineering, and um, and that has incredible power. I mean, internet companies are really not um, not well equipped to deal with uh, to deal with uh, determined content. And um, it was amazing to me to learn what what one determined con person the kind of information they could get about you just by repeatedly calling um, customer service people at Amazon or internet service providers right. or other companies. And that, that blows my mind. Yeah, and the, well, here, here's what really, here's what really blows your mind is that uh, is that. Uh, 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 he was calling and pretending to be women, and the internet companies yeah, would still yeah. give him their information. Like, like, yeah, he would call and be like, and 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 try to recover a password for a for a, a user who was obviously a woman, and um, you know he has a male voice, and and that didn't raise any any kind of flag, you know, and uh, and the women would would contact their internet company and be like. You just gave my, you just gave my information to my stalker. Why did you do that? Right. And then they would Hi, they would just my say, name is Beth. yeah, they, they would just say like they would just say like, well, he he's, he he's, he uh, proved that he was you, and 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 if you're on the phone with your with you know Skype or whatever, and they're like, well, you know, your stalker proved that he was you. What do you even? It's it's so nonsensical and absurd. I mean, what do you even say? Right. There's no recourse. Yeah. Yeah. We see we see often enough that you know. The, you think you think everybody has everything together, but we know that th- this whole society is kind of on these very small strings <laughs> that, are, that, that are that are possibly being cut as we speak. Um, the, the the thing I kind of loved about the piece was towards the end you kind of talked about um, how one of the uh, victims of the swatting, uh, the one that was kind of the main focus of the story, she kind of she kind of figured out and 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 got her life back, quote unquote. Towards the end of the, towards the end of the stream, we've seen with um, other kind of famous swatting cases like Brianna Wu, like uh, Reef said, and and kind of the most famous one so far, Zoe Quinn, having started Crash Override as a resource for for places for people who have been harass, harassed on the internet. 
that there has been some 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 pushback there has been some kind of we're not going to take this and we're going to kind of figure out ways to to kind of get back uh our our lives in some sort of sense did you did you have any kind of anecdotal stories that you got from some of the victims about kind of them moving past this or or kind of moving forward in their lives absolutely um so i think just the process of of starting to fight back starting to gather information starting to investigate was really um was really healing and helpful for a lot of the women you know when, when they got to a point where they could connect with other women um share information about their attacker and realize that they weren't alone um that was something they, they had to do on their own um because uh, again p- police were not um were not helpful but as soon as as soon as they kind of reached out one of them told me that she felt like uh, it was the first time that she really uh, could reassert control of uh, of what had been happening to her and so that so this kind of private network uh, developed behind the scenes um to pool information and to start to push uh any sympathetic detectives to to do something and it was it was really important all along because um a lot of the times they found they found information before the cops did i mean certainly months before <laughs> months before the uh the american detective got onto the case um but, but months before he became even aware of 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 all of these victims, the women were organizing, sharing information and all of this. And, and all through the investigation, sometimes, you know, he would do something and one of the women would become aware of it first and they would tip off, uh, tip off the detective in Georgia. Like when he, um, he did this, he did this insane thing, uh, right before he got arrested, which is he live streamed himself, uh, right. for nine hours committing crimes. Uh, I mean, oh uh, on Twitch Crazy. and on, uh, like three or four other sites. And he, and he posted links on Twitter to, for people to watch him. And, um, and he was just doing it all out in the open. You could see him organize the, uh, organize with his friends that you'd see him pull up the docs files. Uh, he had them all arranged in text files on his computer. You could see him all the stolen credit card information. You could see him pull up, uh, use the voice over IP services to make hoax calls. You know, you could actually wow. actually see him. You could actually see him open his browser at one point and um, and uh, look up the non-emergency number for the St. Paul, Minnesota police. Then then open up the browser, go to the voice IP site, make the call, um, and then they listen to the police scanner, the St. Paul police scanner, uh, to listen to the cops discuss. Uh, the hoax call that they had just made. Um, wow. And um, all, I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. I wasn't able to get in the piece for, for space reasons, but, um, right. but, yeah. you know, so, so I think things like that, their, their, their investigative effort was, uh, was a big part of, of what kind of got them back. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was the mother of one of the victims actually who tipped off the detective in Georgia to the live stream. He didn't know it was happening. And, and the mom, the mom of one of these women who had been um, been just viciously harassed for months, uh, uh, told the detective to watch. And then the detective told the Canadian police to watch. Um, and I think I think it was just so incriminating that even the Canadian police finally had to do something. Um, you know, like even they they couldn't really ignore it because it was it was just a video. You know, it was like. It was like, you know, this orgy of like probable cause, you know, it's like all there. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't ask for anything more. But um, he was successful in, in destroying the uh, Twitch businesses of a number of women 
uh, for a significant amount of time. A lot of them um, decided to, to leave Twitch uh, for months because they, um, they they felt like, I think they felt like it would protect them. Like if they were not on Twitch, he would uh, stop attacking them, which wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, a number were wow. continued to, to wow. be attacked by him even after they left Twitch. But also I think... Um, just didn't want didn't want people to see them upset. There, there was a, you know, some of them who were swatted were streaming at the time. And one woman told me about how um, after after the cops came to her house, showed up at her door, the guns, the the all the riot gear. She talked to them talked to them about being stalked. It was all hoax. They left her house. She went back on stream. Uh, she 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 had wow. she had told she had told before before the cops knocked on her door. When they knocked on the door, she told her stream. Um, that her dog had uh, diarrhea and she had to take her dog out. And, oh, uh, man. And, uh, and when she came back to the stream, uh, she apologized for being gone. And then she played, she made it a point to play a couple of more games. Um, and then she shut down her stream and just broke down crying. Um, and, uh, wow. Uh, That's so sorry. And I think that was a pretty, I think that was a pretty common experience from what I could tell. Uh, on, you know, right. uh, that said, a lot of the women were, uh, did prove to be uh, really resilient and came back on Twitch. Um, you know, one one victim told me that she, a couple of days after she was swatted, she made it a point to stream on Twitch because she didn't want uh, this kid to feel like he had won. Uh, that that right. part of what he was trying to do, he, he had decided that these women were not valid Twitch streamers. He had decided that they had no right mm. to be on Twitch. He had he, he himself had decided that, and he was going to he was going to drive them off. Uh, and she realized that, and she 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 just said, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna drive me away from this thing that I love, uh, from this thing right. that I think is you know the best thing in my life, and that I want to be a part of my life um, for years to come. And so she, she went back. Right. Uh, the woman I write about uh, a lot in the piece, uh, Janet, also went back, and she's uh, streaming full time now, and um, and a number of them are back, which is which is good to see. Yeah, That's awesome. yeah. So so the. Uh, not to spoil the ending, read the piece anyway, again. Um, but, uh, this particular asshole, um, was sentenced to two years because he was a minor. He was sentenced essentially to a year and a half juvie. He'll be released when he's 18. Um, what's your belief, Jason, that he will, uh, do this again? Uh, the Canadian court said that they had a, uh, there was a high probability that he would reoffend. Um, wow. There, there was a, um, there were three reports that were submitted to the court uh, by a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and a social worker. They tested him, uh, looked at his file, and interviewed him extensively, and they all basically agreed that uh, that he was a very, uh, a very troubled kid. He had, um, he had a, a, a very uh, tragic upbringing. Sure. And uh, um, and that he had no remorse for what he had done, which uh, they emphasized uh, several times that he had. In in fact, when they talked to him about his his crimes, what he pled, pleaded guilty to, he um, he spoke about what he had done with pride. Um, <laughs> and uh, wow! Uh, and they 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 all said that he there was a high uh, high risk of him reoffending if. The, uh, if the crown, if Canada didn't give him the maximum allowable sentence um, or something close to it, um, 
And so what they ended up giving him was 16 months, which is, I believe, close to the maximum sentence in Canada uh, for a, a minor offender who, who doesn't commit murder or some other crime that has a, a life sentence for adults. So it's two years at the maximum. So they gave him 16 months. Uh, the problem is that he had already um, he had already served eight months, about eight months, while wait, awaiting sentencing. So um, he'll be released in March. Wow. wow. That, that is that, madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is really really mad. And like I you know, I could definitely see what you're saying about, you know, some of these swatters doing, you know, feeling good about what they did even if they caused harm to it and like speaking with that pride. So that kind of leads to another question which is do you think there's any value in talking to these swatters as a journalist? Like do you think that adding their voice would actually sort of add to the story? Would it just kind of give them attention that they don't deserve or like, in, you know, like, like, like what's your feeling on actually getting quote unquote, both sides of the story in this case? I wish I, I wish I could have talked to him. I really wish I could have talked to him and uh, I tried. Um, I worked through his lawyer who uh, didn't return multiple phone calls to me. And, um, you know, I wish I could have interviewed him in the uh, youth detention center. Uh, if I had had a chance, I, I would have. But um, but yeah, I think that I think that it's definitely worth talking uh, to swatters and trying to understand uh, why they do what they do. Um, I I hope that he part of, part of the reason uh, it was frustrating to to read about and learn about the uh, Canadian response to the crime is because this. This was a guy, they, they should have uh, uh, arrested him uh, and detained him a lot earlier than they did, not just for the sake of the victims and to protect Canadian citizens from, from future attacks, but also for this kid's own sake, because this kid was clearly um, uh, hurting, you know, clearly hurting and clearly in need of, um, of, of uh, mental health care that he was not getting. Um, and so the, I think the, mm -hmm. the, um, the judge was very tough, but also empathetic and, and, uh, sentenced him to this youth detention center in the hopes that he would be able to, um, make friends there and come out able to lead some kind of normal life. And his mother actually at the, uh, sentencing said, said much the same thing. She said that she, she hoped that her son would, uh, would learn to make friends in jail uh, in a way that he hadn't been able to make friends <laughs> wow. uh, through the internet. So we're, we're about to let you go, Jason. Um, and I have one last question for you. You've worked on this piece for months and months and months. And you kind of <clears throat> entrenched yourself in, in, in this world that, that, is kind of is I'm not going to say kind of is seedy and, and super gross in lots of ways. What would you say for yourself is like the biggest takeaway? What kind of things did you did you learn um, uh, after doing a story like this? Um, I think that there's this very pervasive idea out there um, that nothing can really be done about swatting. That um, it's sort of beyond the ability of internet companies to um, to control, and that cops don't know enough about the internet to to do anything. But I really think that's not true. I think it's a it's a question of, like I said, kind of kind of giving a shit about it, um, mm. and um, 
I, I really think that once the once the will is there to do something about it, um, it can start to be addressed. But uh, you know, I had I had an exchange with the co-founder of Twitch on Twitter, Justin Can, about it, huh. and uh, and it, it just it didn't give me a lot of hope that uh, that that Twitch really sees, takes it seriously or is, is going to do anything about it. I mean, what what he said was. Uh, you know, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't see that it would be possible for for a private company to deal to do anything to deal with swatters, uh, and he and he sees no technical solution. And um, it's it's wow. so strange to talk to a it's so strange to talk to like a multi 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 millionaire technologist, and, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. we don't have any tech to deal with this. You know? right. Technology, what is that? Yeah. You know, um, right. <laughs> uh, well, isn't that what you do? You know, I like I'm not a technologist. Right. I'm just a reporter. I'm just I'm just pointing out the problem. You know, it's, the technology part is your part. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been interesting in the past in the past week or so. We've seen a couple of stories kind of pop up as well that talked about a very prominent streamer who, who kind of jumped on stream the other night and talked about his, his drug problem. Cause he was doing these super long streams that he's been doing over the past year. And, you know, I've kind of brought this up on, on social media as well with the idea of, you know, we have a lot of young kids on stream who are drinking heavily, who are, who are doing lots of things that Twitch is making money and promoting these folks. And they're totally just leaving them out in the wind so, so you saying that doesn't necessarily surprise me uh, in in the least of hearing hearing that come from the top down. So that's sad to hear, but it's also it also is not surprising. Well, what do you think? What do you what do you guys think about the potential for something to change in the swatting realm, or in just in, in all those kinds of factors? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the swatting part. Luckily, again, you know, there are places now, and and again, I, I kind of put this on the the. The, the backs of, of of people who have already been through it, you know, femi- uh, Anita Sarkeesian and, and Zoe Quinn and and Brianna Wu have all kind of come out, and and Randy Harper as well have all come out and kind of given themselves a place of of, of prominence and platform where they can help others kind of get through the process once they go through it. I think the the other side of that, which is really difficult, is that kind of gap between the. The, 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 the men who are out there, I, I'm, I'd love to hear if there are women SWAT, not love to hear, but would love to see if there's some 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 uh, research to see if there are women SWATers as well. But the, the, go bet- the in-between space of you finding these people who are on the Internet, all the kinds of things you talked about with the law enforcement part. We, I was, well, I'm happy you wrote this story for many reasons. One, because I really wanted to have someone from law enforcement on the show talk about these kinds of incidents and and for us specifically you know we've seen throughout the past couple of years talking about over militarization and uh and and bad and bad uh, uh interactions with uh police and especially the african american american community where i've always thought i was like if i get swatted i'm dead yeah <laughs> right. you know right. what i mean that that to me that's right. that there is no in between space for for me to ever get swatted and right. and twitch hearing that conversation, there isn't a lot that they are going to necessarily do until, unfortunately, someone gets shot and killed. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Reef, Reef, do you have any thoughts on well, that? Well, I mean, I think um, I want to talk about it from the perspective of the uh, argument that you had with the Twitch dude that like you were saying in terms of them not being able to like do anything. I find that really interesting because like technology is about innovating when stuff isn't there. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's what Amazon is. That's what Twitch is. That's what 
like Google is, is them seeing there being a need for something and developing a solution for it. So I feel like it's total BS that like they're like, well, there's nothing here, so I can't do it. And I do think that, you know, swatting can go down if these companies do start to take a stand against it and really try to develop some some uh, technology and personal things um, to uh, take care of this. I mean, I think that a lot of independent stuff, like uh, you mentioned with, like, Crash Override and, like, all these third-party kind of apps on, like, services like Twitter to, like, block multiple people and, sh- and, like, share things. Like, people are doing this on their own, and I think right. that these big companies with huge cash reserves and some of the smartest people in the business, if they wanted to, they could really make a difference because unfortunately like like you know like your story kind of saddened me because it seemed like it was this one hero cop right just lost it (laughs) and he did it yeah like there was i I got no sense from it was was him and the women it was really him and the women yes yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, so like i got no sense like man like this story really points to some sort of systemic change within police or authority figures. I was like, no, it was this one guy that got pissed off, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Like, like, like I wonder, one of my favorite quotes from the article was where he said, like, I don't like to tell people that I can't do anything. Right. Mm, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like how many people that are doing this as a job have that mentality, you right. know? So like I, I, I don't think we could rely on, on the authority figures as much as we can rely on the technology platforms that these people are using to help, um, you know, to actually like facilitate some of this ha- harassment. So I think a lot of it is on them. I think they need to step their game up. Cicero? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a three prong attack. Um, the, the first is legislative. Um, you know, there there has to be an understanding from from government agencies, and you know, unfortunately, uh, most of the people that are in in uh, in Congress and you know in positions to to create and and form laws were around before the internet was really a thing. So so I mean, <laughs> let alone understanding the internet, they don't really you know they don't understand Twitch. They barely understand the internet. It's a series of tubes. Um, the, you know, <laughs> the, the 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 second part is. The community, like like you, like you know, like you stated in your piece, Jason. You know, these women got together and they they empowered themselves to really kind of fight back against this person that was that was attacking against them. Um, you know, obviously, when you're a, a, a streamer, you're a Twitcher, you you wind up uh, having mods, and their, that community takes care of things. But you know, that community getting together and really pointing out bad actors to the third prong which is these these application owners that you know whoever the you know Amazon in this in this particular case um talking to them and saying hey look this person I don't care what you have to do you need to find out who this person is and and attack them and the, you know the recourse to that is as a community, as a gaming community, as as people who find this this behavior deplorable and reprehensible to start economic sanctions against companies that don't take these things seriously. Um, I love Amazon. I've been a prime member since prime has existed, but I will happily turn Amazon off 
if they will continue to say that, you know, even if it's via Twitch, if they will continue to say there's nothing, oh, there's nothing we can do about these things that we clearly know are happening. If we're going to deny that it's that it really is prolific, it's, you know, oh, it's 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 you know, it's not that big until you point things out. And, you know, as you did in the piece and they say, oh, well, you know, it is kind of big, but there's nothing we can do about it. Um, I think that there are, there are a couple of silver linings here and, you know, we've gotten really dark and I think this, I mean, you know, obviously this is something that is, that is a terrible thing overall. This is a great pre-Christmas episode. Right, right, exactly, exactly. As, you know, as you're sitting around and you're sipping your eggnog and you listen to this, um, I think, I think the, the silver lining is, is one, um, there was somewhat of a happy ending that this person was apprehended. Um, two, there there was at least, at the very least, there was an officer uh, in you know in one precinct, in one little town, in one state, in you know on in the in the country that really has a grasp of what this is, what this problem is, and what we need to do as as a law enforcement community to really kind of attack it. And the, and the third part is the fact that you wrote an incredible piece in one of the, the most esteemed, if not the most esteemed publication, you know, periodical on the planet uh, in the New York, in the form of the New York times so that it can start to get the publicity and the attention that it that it really really deserves, so that we can start to to really work constructively at creating ways to thwart these these types of things, these acts of uh, mischief, if you don't want to call it terror, just bullshittery, <laughs> acts of bullshittery. Absolutely, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, and uh, and the the fact that you guys are 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 talking about it, um, talking about it with your listeners and. Um, and getting the word out there, you know, I think is important, means a lot and justifies for me the time spent uh, in writing and reporting the piece. And um, I really hope something good comes out of it. We do, too. We do, too. So, Absolutely. so Again, but before before he goes, I just want to ask a really good question. So before you, before they've all you, been good uh, questions, man. They've all been good right. questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say one of my chapters. Right. 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 Yeah. Of, a feel a feel good question. Feel I'm good question. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, well, be offended. I don't give a fuck about you guys. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before before this the, before you started researching this article and you really started doing this article, were you a gamer? And since this article, are you? Do you consider yourself a gamer? Do you game? Uh, and if so, what? I uh, the last time I was really into gaming was when my daughter was uh, an infant. And uh, she was doing what infants do and crying all night. And uh, there was no chance, no chance of sleeping. So um, that was around when the uh, I think the orange box came out. And so I played uh, Half-Life yes, 2. Yes. I played all the way through Half-Life nice. 2 and Portal. Nice. My only complaint nice. about Portal was that it was too short. I could have played Portal yes. for like thousands of hours, oh, you know. Uh, and, and people have. And, and people they have. have. Just over <laughs> and over. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, the Xbox is just, it just seems so flimsy and kind of as a piece of hardware. Uh, I think I had like the green, the green light of death at one point. And, 
and I just kind of I just kind of fell out of it not for, not out of any sort of intention but uh, just other other things in my life but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah I mean before that I was I played all all the way through Bioshock I was hugely into Marathon Ooh. Um, oh, uh, nice. back in the back nice. in the day I guess and then and when I was a kid I, when, I was a, when I was a kid I was I was so lucky I had um, I had two two friends on my street who were originally from uh, Taipei, and so they they got all the Nintendo games like years before the uh, U.S. market did. You know, so uh, I was playing like Super Mario three like years before all of my friends. Yeah, and uh, I felt I felt very special, very special about that. Nice, that's awesome. Nice. Now, yeah. now, did did you get to play Portal two? I haven't. I haven't. Oh um, man, I I, my Xbox is like I've moved a couple of times, and my Xbox is 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 in some crate somewhere. Um, yeah, those, ooh. those three sixties didn't, they don't, they don't, you can't move them from entertainment systems. <laughs> is portal well. two good? Is it uh, as good as the first one? Oh yeah. Port, portal two is even better because it's even co-op. better. Uh, and it's yeah. much longer. Oh, and it's good. much longer. That's yes. good. Yes. Yeah. I should, so I should our play. homework should. is we're going to send you a list of things you should. Play. Okay. There That'd be go. awesome. I'll, I'll get back into it. <laughs> we're definitely with your help. <laughs> <laughs> I need a guide. I definitely need a guide. It's been, it's been a long we, time. We'll be more we'll than happy sherper to help you. you. We'll sherpa you into the gaming future. All right. Right. Awesome. <laughs> so, so, Jason, thank you. Thank you so much again for writing such a phenomenal piece. Yeah. I really do want to you know, piggyback on what Cicero said because he was absolutely right. I can't believe I just said that on air. <laughs> um, it happens more <laughs> than you think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really do think that, that, that your piece, for the, for the people who don't know what's happening out there, will definitely give them a look into this world and also kind of give them a way to kind of uh, uh, protect themselves in some ways because uh, that social engineering parts are really interesting and I, yeah. I, if, if you do if you do have another story and you like that I definitely want to read about that as well because I think yes. that is super interesting um, so we're about to go run into our ad break uh, and we're going to tell Jason peace out and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of our break thanks again thank Jason. you guys but before we go Thank Before you, we go, Jason, we want to make sure that if people want to contact you, uh, how they can do that. Uh, and my website is just jasonfagoni.com. Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, uh, jfagoni on Twitter. And if anybody uh, uh, has story ideas or, or uh, wants to talk about uh, their experiences uh, online, or uh, uh, definitely get in touch. Right on. Nice, right on. nice, nice. So we're going to hit our ad break, and we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm J.P. Fairfield, co-host of Operation Cubicle. Join me and my co-host, Cherie Jackson, as we tackle a different topic in our corporate lives and in our personal lives. Listen to our podcast at OperationCubicle.net. Hey guys, this is Milton, host of the Slavonic Gamer Podcast, where I talk all things gaming and nerdy, from anime to zombies and everything in between. You can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud at Slavonic Gamer. Thanks so much for, for hanging out and coming back after that ad break. Um, you know, it's been kind of light on the news side of things. You know, it's almost Christmas time. It's almost uh, Kwanzaa time. It's almost Hanukkah time. I like saying time like that. <laughs> um, so, so it's kind of light on the gaming news side. But there are a couple of things that we wanted to talk about this week 
or you know we we did our thing on blab uh thank you everybody for coming through uh and checking out our stuff on the game awards um so we got the numbers back basically they didn't give them directly to us they gave them to everybody but i'm going to say they gave them to us to say we got the numbers. Sure. um and you know we talked about you know jeff Keeley kind of doing this the second time around and you know is this is this show kind of viable in the ways that we think it needs to be if it's going to kind of continue and from what we see, they pulled in 2.3 million people, over a billion Twitter impressions, and I think that that means that that did well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 and 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 this 20 percent up. Yeah, from, from last year. Uh, last year. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder, and I, and I guess I'll ask the question of both of you would be, you know, what do you think now that since this is the second year in a row and it's doing better than it did the last time? that we're going to see more and you know did do you think kind of keely is, is is kind of finding his stride is he put is he getting what he's kind of looking for Reef? yeah I, I, I mean he he has major sponsor support he has exclusive announcements even though some people thought that there should be more the fact is it's like one guy running a show like the fact that he has one to me is a lot um, he has like you know he has major people there except for Kojima, <laughs> um, and you you know like he kind of has like sort of the balance between like the elegance of an award show and sort of like the fun of something that's kind of game related. It's like really professional and it really makes me feel happy to be an adult gamer to see something like this. Now I wish it was on TV, but if it's on TV, we've seen what TV execs demand for a gaming show to be on TV. So I think he's really hit the, the, uh, the uh, sweet spot. You know, Um, I do wish that they had like sort of, you know, shown like all of the awards on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think that they're not quite leveraging the fact that they're online as well. I think there could be some more interaction with the online community that's like watching it because right. it's kind of like exactly like it would be on TV, except it's online. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I hope that with the evolution of the show that they can start to use that to their advantage and like maybe throw out like some polls or like that kind of stuff. Right. Or or like give away some keys or like something to to take advantage of 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 the fact that there's a million people throwing throwing kappas to them on uh, Twitch, you know. So yeah, agreed on that. Uh, see, well, I will say to to kind of counter uh, uh, Reef's point, the Game Awards was simulcast on Xbox One, and they had polls and and interactive oh. interactive stuff now i didn't get to experience that because we were doing uh we were doing the blab and shout out to everyone that watched us on blab um so i don't know what that experience was like we could actually ask uh tanya to pass shout out to tanya um who just came back from game gamer x um but uh so you know that part that part is is kind of you know it really it would be great to see more of that, more of that internet leveraging and the interactivity um, in in different places uh, going forward. Uh, what I will say is that you know one of the critiques from last year was that it was that the show was a little unbalanced, it was a little long, um, and this year I, I think what you saw was a much more compact show. 
Um, and and you saw a much more confident Jeff Keeley uh, running the show, which was which was great. Um, what kind of did was a little disheartening for for me, at least. And and for us watching it on Blab, I think shout out to Paris, who who really mentioned this first was the lack of or the the number of empty seats in in the arena that that were visible in the arena uh while while they were uh broadcasting and uh you know shame on you Mr. Director who didn't know how to frame the shots to make sure that you saw uh, a a full a packed house when they were showing the camera camera scene so um but but you know outside of that I, I I thought the I thought the show was great I'm looking forward to next year and uh, hopefully before the next Game Awards comes around uh, we'll have Jeff Keighley on the show and he can talk about his experiences firsthand. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think <clears throat> I think it was one of those things where you know he said uh, in the Polygon article that we kind of read from was he was happy about the way everything kind of ran this show. He said he did kind of miss an opportunity to do a big kind of esports um production prior to um the actual show and kind of have it in the show proper um <clears throat> he said that uh, top streaming platforms for the show were, were twitch and youtube he said the show managed to trend worldwide and uh with more than a billion impressions on twitter with tweets using the hashtag the game awards a doubling of last year's social impact according to media monitoring and analytics companies sismos uh, that more than 175,000 people uh, use the hashtag, writing about 279,000 tweets. So, you know, again, Jeff, uh, big shout out to you for doing big things like you usually and always do. Um, I'm I'm excited to see kind of this happen and and, and move forward in a, in a cool way. I know that there was a little bit of controversy prior to the show starting. With the idea of, or with the conversation around lack of women and minorities being in the kind of voting pool, um, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, next year, and uh, it should be pretty dope. Um, yep, <clears throat> can't wait. Last story of episode ninety. Oh my god, we're at episode ninety. It's crazy. We got ten crazy more episodes and ten more episodes until number one hundred. I can count. Um, 100 100 that means we have to have somebody big for for number 100 All right. um um it looks like ea is getting into the esports game we see uh some folks that have already been doing it we see riot has been doing it uh with dota forever uh mlg has been doing it forever with their thing blizzard has been jumping into the pool and now ea is jumping into the pool and the dude who is going to be heading up the division is our friend your friend the best cat on the planet. He remembers everybody's names and he remembers what you did last summer. Peter Moore. <laughs> Peter Moore is going to be doing it. So that's pretty cool. I like Peter Moore a lot. I think he's one of the coolest cats in the industry. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, isn't he isn't he the CEO of P, of uh, EA? I forget oh, what his actual Oh, so is. he was the COO of EA. Yeah, um, yeah he's the COO. Yeah, he's the COO. And now he is the competitive gaming division's EVP, the executive vice president, and the chief competition officer. If that doesn't sound like some bullshit made up title, I don't know what <laughs> what does. Uh, Peter Moore, Peter Moore as a person is phenomenal. Any dude that would legitimately 
uh, tattoo the name of a game on his arm um, <laughs> just for, yeah. you know, just for hype's sake. He gets my respect. He gets props. He's a, yeah, he's a I, I must say, when I first, I do feel like this is a bit of a demotion to go from the operating officer of right. a major, major company to heading up kind of a what I see as kind of an experimental division thing. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's more fitting for his personality to be doing something like this. And he's been like the COO for the last five years. And I can see him getting kind of bored of it and being like, yeah, I want to get out there and do something crazy. You right, know? Right. Um, so like, I am glad that they put him on this. Um, and I do think that it's something that they, you know, kind of don't limit to like their sports games because like EA publishes so many different games. I would love to see kind of games that you wouldn't expect to be on that esports circuit yeah. to get on there. Yeah, I would Garden, love. To, I would uh, uh, Plants vs Zombies, Garden Warfare Two. That'd be awesome. I kind of <laughs> would like to see. Uh, kind of talking about that, I would love to see EA lean into this with UFC. Mm. That yeah. would be dope. I think that that of all the games that they have that nobody's really talking about in their stable that could be pretty cool on the esports side of this. Right. You know, they talked about it in a previous game where they would have like um, uh, matches of the week, and right. then and they would have real commentators from UFC and stuff like that. Uh, kind of do the commentary. <clears throat> this could be this could be another way to, for them to kind of wrap that around and um, kind of fulfill that on that side, and maybe. Maybe just maybe this will actually give them a way to show off EA uh, NBA Live in a way that they hadn't had a chance to do before. So that may be something right. pretty dope for them to be able to kind of wrap themselves around. Very, yeah. very, very and, fair point. Yeah, and and for Cicero, they could get that Rory PGA going. Rory. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Rory. So so before we get up out of here, um, uh, Cicero has been ducking me on the, the, the league that we're in, not playing our game yet. I'm just going to uh, throw that out there real quick. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to just say that out there because I'm going to start right. beef. Before yeah, all right. Well, go ahead and start beef. Well, your Christmas present is an ass whooping. How about that? There you go. Oh, boy. <laughs> right. It's all up in that ass. Anyway. Right. <laughs> um, word. Uh, I guess before we get up out of here, we definitely have to thank Jason Fagone for – for for hanging out with us and and doing such an amazing job talking about his swatting piece, so shout out yeah. to Jason. Um, and see, I guess you're up for social media business. All right. Well, uh, before before I uh, get to the social media business, I want to say one uh, yes, Jason. I have to echo what what Ka said. Uh, thanks so much for a fantastic article. Thanks for so much for sharing. Uh, sharing uh, all that information with us. And uh, while we're on the subject, I want to say shout out. I, you know, I don't know if you guys are listening, but but shout out to all of those women that went through that stuff and um, f- found the resilience to continue to fight back and, and continue to do uh, the things that they're doing. Uh, you you guys always have a home here in Bricago. Um, and, you know, if, if people are going through that kind of stuff, you know, let other people know. Um, and if there's anything that we can do to help, we will definitely do it. Um, yeah, we have to see we, about getting Zoe on the show too. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I just want to say that, and um, I want to say, uh, you know, um, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and uh, I won't say Happy New Year, but uh, and Happy Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, to to everyone out there, uh, we love you guys. It's been a great year in Chicago, 
And uh, I'm happy that Bricago is still around and growing leaps by leaps and bounds. So uh, thank you to all the Bricagoans out there um, for for doing everything that you've done. The force is strong with you. Um, so Christmas time is here. Shut up! Shut up! So this <laughs> social <laughs> media <laughs> business <laughs> is so. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can we get some christmas and hollis or something right oh, oh shit so social media business is as follows um follow sharif jackson on all social media platforms at sharif jackson uh make sure you check out gaming looks good his uh his gaming series uh, make sure you check out science looks good and make sure you check out operation cubicle uh, the show that he does with J.P. Fairfield where they talk about uh, the business and geeky side of one topic every single week. Um, make sure when you are checking out their show on iTunes and Stitcher and all your favorite podcast places, you're also checking out Spawn on Me uh, in the same places. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Uh, find me and Ka on Twitter at Kajakins and at Stubby Stan, respectively. Find the show on all social media platforms at Spawn on Me. Check out our site, spawnon.me. And go and help us out uh, so we can get better Christmas presents. So instead of just getting him an ass whooping, we can actually go to places like CES and uh, PAX and all the other stuff to help us out uh, by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spawn on me. Uh, and maybe buy some merch at rebelbull.com slash spawn on me. So, and before we get up out of yeah. here, I just wanted to say again, thank you to everyone in Chicago. We absolutely love you. This has been a phenomenal year so far. It's still not over. We have a couple of shows before, or we have <clears throat> actually we may have like maybe one more show before the yeah. end of the year. Yeah. Um, and Christmas time. Oh my oh, god! Fuck. All right. <laughs> All right, You're a son of a bitch. This has been episode ninety of the Spawn of Me podcast. We will say peace.